Shalom, brothers and sisters. It's Amanda. I pray you all have had a blessed day. I am back to deliver a part three of, I guess now would be considered a series on forgiveness. I started out doing part one and I thought that was all I was going to share. I received an outpouring of responses to that episode and I decided to do a part two, sharing more in detail um, about some experiences I had that required for me to go through the process of forgiveness and just extending mercy and grace. Um, But in part two, I actually ended up talking the entire time about, um, it was more in detail about what I had went through with the job that I had had a few years ago. And the reason why I had focused so much on that job was because it was one of the worst experiences I had ever had in terms of in the workplace. <laughs> and I've had some some pretty awful experiences. I've, you know, had been working since I was 16 years old. I had my first job at 16, but that was the worst one <laughs> for me. Um, and Yahoo, I used it to help me to learn about, you know, more about forgiveness, even though I had gone through so many other painful experiences prior to that, a lot of it having to do with my family. Um, But he helped me to, you know, learn how to extend mercy and grace to an individual and how to even pray for that individual. So it was actually really a blessing too at the same time. It was really a humbling experience and I am thankful for that. I really, really am. But um, anyways, I had wanted in part two to share another experience that I had gone through with um, with family, and I didn't get around to it because I ran out of time. And I said at the end, well, maybe it's just meant to be, maybe I shouldn't share it because, you know, I'm still healing from a lot of these um, situations that I went through, um, these trials that I endured. But I'm going to go ahead and share the one that I had in mind to share and Again, it has to do with family. So in part one, I did half and half. I shared an experience I had with my mother and one of my brothers. And then I shared about the incident in the workplace and this job that I had uh, a few years ago. And then part two, I extended and went into more detail on the experiences I had um, at this workplace with this specific individual. And um, so now... Part three, this episode, I'm going to share um, an experience I had with a family member, which is my father. So yeah, a lot of issues, (laughs) a lot of issues. Um, But you know what? Honestly, this is really my first time opening up to public about these things that I went through. You know, I've shared them with with close people, which isn't very many. I can count them on one hand. <laughs> um, this is my first time sharing it to where anybody can hear this. And it's, it's a little bit intimidating and uh, it's a bit scary. But I feel led to do this because I just feel that people need to hear these things because so many are actually dealing with these things. Maybe not similar, maybe they are, maybe they're worse, you know. Um, There's just a lot going on. There's a lot going on um, these days and many are suffering and many are just really going through it right now. So um, I'm going to share that and then um, this really, really, really will be it for this podcast. Really, really it this time. Um, 
before I go any further, if the audio sounds um, really bad in this episode, I apologize. It's late. It's 1030 where I am. And um, I didn't grab any of my equipment or anything like that. I literally just grabbed my phone and began to record. (laughs) So if it sounds worse than what it ever has before, I apologize. Um, I'm literally just using my phone to record this episode and then publish it. So I apologize. (laughs) Um, All right. So I'm also not going to promise that I won't get emotional um, sharing this. Like I said, these these things that um, happen with my family are still a very deep wound that um, is healing. And, um, you know, Yahuwah has been helping me in this. It's been a long process because um, what I'm getting ready to share with you happened, gosh, I want to say 15 years ago, 16, no, 16, because my son's 15. Um, So about 16 years ago, um, what I shared with you in part one happened, let me think, 10 years ago, nine, 10 years ago, the incident at work, at the workplace that happened three, almost four years because that happened in 2019, which wow, where has the time gone? (laughs) Feels like that wasn't that long ago. Um, So as you can see, brothers and sisters, these are all things that have happened a couple to several years ago and it's I'm still in a process of healing you know these are things that just you know they can definitely linger and like I said in part one forgiving doesn't mean that it's it's justified and that what was done was right um but letting go is important so that we can move forward in our lives and have healthy lives because these kinds of things can take a toll on us mentally emotionally physically and um, it just, it, it does no good for us. Um, it can also block our blessings and breakthroughs and so on. I also mentioned, I think it was part two, where I was actually diagnosed with fibromyalgia in 2021. And I do believe that, and I, and I know I've actually had this a lot longer than when they diagnosed, diagnosed me with it. But the problem with fibromyalgia is that it mimics so many other things. I used to just think that maybe I was working too hard. I was just really tired. Um, but I do believe that the fibromyalgia is actually a result of all the trauma that I endured throughout the years. And my nervous system is literally hypersensitive. So, um, you know, it's another, another, a test of faith and trusting in Yahuwah for healing and deliverance. So, um, yeah. Anyways, let me go ahead and share uh, what I went through. So, this has to do with my father. So, again, part one had to do with my mother and one of my brothers. Um, this one has to do with my father. So, real quick, quick recap. My parents divorced when I was really young. Um and it everything just went downhill from there we moved like crazy you would have thought we were in the army um we went from seeing our dad um often to like once a year when my mom started moving us around all over the place both my parents remarried us at different points uh the really bad thing was when my dad remarried he married someone that like didn't even accept us kids (laughs) um And a lot of that had to do with um, 
she just kind of harbored this like jealousy and things like that towards us kids because when she expressed to my father she wanted more children my dad had expressed to her that you know he didn't want any more children and to be honest with you it didn't surprise me because you know my my mom and dad had us three and um my dad really wasn't much of a dad you know and I'm I'm saying that with all respect and you know things like that because you know it's hard because one of the ten commandments tells us that we should honor our mother and father so that our days will be long right on the earth and a question that I have asking I've been asking Yahuwah for a while now is how do you honor parents like the parents I have (laughs) how do you do that right like don't get me wrong I love my parents and I I pray for them but I've just I have I don't know like I love them from afar my parents have hurt me so much that I just I don't even know what to feel anymore but then being a believer and being Torah observant you know it says honor your mother and father well how do you do that how do you how do you do that with parents who mistreated you and have done hurtful things to you or you know they're prideful or they're they're a narcissist you know like how do you do that and it's not just once or twice that they've hurt you it's like over and over and over so literally it's at this point considered abuse because it's something that is reoccurring or was reoccurring unfortunately i haven't spoken to my dad or seen my dad in let's see I moved out here in 2017 and I saw him that year so it's been about four or five years before that I hadn't seen him for 10 years and that was just because he didn't want to I would reach out to him often and this is after what he did but I would reach out to him often I would tell him that I wanted to see him that his grandson wanted to see him because my son is the first grandchild in our family so you know I mean my dad was there for the birth of my son like he was there when he was born (laughs) Um, and I'm the only daughter the thing is I'm the only daughter for both my mom and dad so I thought that me and my dad had a good relationship and it just it all fell apart when my parents divorced and then You know, they both went in different relationships and it just changed a lot of things. But my dad really wasn't a dad from the beginning from what my mom used to explain to me. So anyways, on top of that, our my siblings and I, we really went through a lot growing up because so I'm I'm mixed. So my mother is full Hispanic. She's Puerto Rican. My father is French. Native American Indian and I think some Irish so we're mixed the issue with that was whenever we were around which which wasn't often praise Yahuwah it was actually a blessing in disguise that we weren't really around my mom's side of the family we were around my dad's side of the family more but that was also an issue because the problem was was that my mom's side of the family were just a bunch of and I'm trying to think of how to say this without being disrespectful But I really don't know any other way to say it. Like, there were so many issues on my mom's side of the family. Like, you know, addictions, 
infidelities, um, you know, just a bunch of craziness, just a bunch of craziness. And my mom's side of the family's huge. Um, and then my dad's side, they're very stuffy, snooty people. They look down on everybody. Um, so you can imagine that the few times that we were around my mom's side of the family, we were, we were the white sheep. We were the, the, in their eyes, we were the rich white kids, which we were nowhere close to rich. (laughs) I mean, we grew up borderline poor middle class, you know, like we were not in any, but to them, um, that's how they viewed, I guess, Americans. I don't know even though they're American too, but I guess that's how they viewed them. I don't know. Very stereotypical, which I don't agree with at all. Um, but to them, we were the rich white kids. So we were what I call the white sheep. And then when we were on my dad's side of the family, when we were around them, we were the only Hispanic kids. So we were treated poorly. We were the black sheep of the family. We were, you know, low <laughs> just because we were Hispanic because my, you know, our mother's Hispanic. Um, so we got treated like crap from every angle. <laughs> On top of what we were going through in our own household, we were treated like crap. So that's why I say I've lived a lonely life and a life of a lot of rejection because I never really had family. Um, my parents did what they did. My brothers had each other and then there was me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it just, we grew up kind of like isolated. I mean, I still am thankful we didn't grow up around either side of the families because of how they were, but it was still very lonely. So anyways, um, and I think that's partly probably why my parents divorced one another, which is why, honestly, I, I was like, when I step into my marriage, and I said this years ago, when I step into my marriage, it's going to be very kept away from everybody because there was no way I was going to let the same thing happen. What happened to my parents happened to my marriage. There was just no way. I feel bad for our children, but, you know, doing them a favor. <laughs> so, and I have faith that Yahuwah will send us people that, you know, family isn't just blood related. Family can be anybody. So I have faith that Yahuwah will provide the support and family and friends that we need. So anyways, um, this whole situation that happened with my dad, I was 19 getting ready to turn 20. I had not had my son yet. And I lived with my father just to, I don't know, I guess have a change of life. Um, I was tired of living with my mom. At the time, she had a boyfriend that was into drugs and uh, just wasn't a good, really a good atmosphere. Um, I watched my mom work her tail off to support us kids My dad never really gave enough child support, even though he always made good money. And then my mom always had a habit of getting into these really bad relationships with guys who just weren't good. (laughs) So I got tired of it. Um, And my mom and I just had a really lousy relationship. We always had. Um, You know, as much as my mom would, would probably hate to hear this, but I always felt that she put these men before um, before us. And as I became a young woman, I needed my mother and she was never there for me. You know, when I had my first heartbreak, when I was going through whatever I was going through as a teenager, I could never come to her or my father. I had nobody. So it just, it wasn't good. So I ended up going to live with my dad. Um, and, um, 
you know, he had a nice house, he made good money, and um, I just was able to just kind of start new. I had gotten a job, and I was working, and just doing really well. Um, At the time, he was dating his wife, and she just never liked us kids or um, accepted us, and the thing was, when my dad bought a house, she didn't want anybody there, so... My dad's wife was very materialistic and she didn't want to share my dad with us because she wanted everything to herself and that was just how it was. She was very money hungry. Um, So when I came to live my dad, she got so upset by that that she actually quit coming over and stuff like that. So it was really crazy. Um, So anyways, but you know, being 19 years old, I just kind of you know, I knew something was wrong. My dad didn't tell me, but I just kind of went about my own business. And, you know, I had my own room. I had my own space. I was working and that was that. Um, so anyways, there came a point where my mom ended up moving. Um, she left where she was at and came back to Colorado and asked my dad if she or if he could also take in my brother so now all of us were living with my dad and that really upset his girlfriend and whatever but my dad said yes and he had all his kids the thing about it was was that and the reason why my mom did this was because she needed to get out of the relationship she was in okay but my dad once again being blinded by money and all these things told her, you know, I'll take all the kids with one exception that, you know, the child support comes back to me. So that started this whole thing because my mom and dad both acted selfishly and they were like playing this game with each other. And anyways, long story short, it just kind of built up and it ended up being this argument um, between the two of them. And, you know, at this point, my brother's already, you know, living with my dad. We're all with my dad. My mom's in Colorado. But my mom just was kind of like dragging her feet with going to court and making this change about child support. So one day, I'm asleep. It was morning time. And I get this call from my dad. And I answer. And he says, hey, I'm here at the court. I need your mother's information. Now, I'm just waking up. I'm trying to process and register what he's saying to me because <laughs> I'm half asleep. I'm 19 years old, okay? And, you know, I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, would agree with me that you never want to be in the middle of whatever is going on between your parents because you love both of your parents. You don't ever want to do anything to hurt either one of them. And what my parents did to me that, or not my parents, what my dad did to me that day was exactly that. Um, And ended up paying for it. So I'm processing what he's saying. And I said, what do you mean you want mom's information? He goes, oh, well, you know, I've been trying to call her and stuff. She doesn't call me back. And, you know, I'm at the court and I need her information. Now, again, all this had to do with the whole child support thing, money, okay, greediness, selfishness, all that. 
And I said, Dad, I understand. Um, I'm sorry she hasn't gotten back to you, but I don't feel comfortable with giving you her information without having her permission. Because I knew that they were, they were already like arguing about this, you know, like it was, it was a negative thing that was going on between them. And I wanted no part of it because they're my parents, you know, like I'm not going to help one parent get even with the other parent or get back at the other parent or, you know, I'm not going to do that, you know, and, and, you know, how dare you ask one of your children to do something like that? Like I'm a mother and I could never in my life, never like even with everything that's gone on with my father's or my father, my son's father, I never, ever spoke ill to my son about his dad. I never kept him from his dad. I never like I could never do what what a lot of what my parents have done. I, I just and I and I still to this day can't understand what was going through my parents' minds with a lot of what they did. So I I tell him what I tell him and he gets upset because he drove an hour to court. But here's the thing, nobody told you to go to court. Have patience, you know. Sorry you haven't heard from, you know, gotten the information you need, but you're going to have to wait. It was wrong of my father to go to the court not having what he needed and then call his daughter and demand this information from his daughter you know and it's like you know put yourself in her shoes you know if she calls me asking stuff about you I'm not gonna do it you know and I'm sure that you would be happy to know that I wouldn't you know and it was ridiculous as it was that they were doing what they were doing but so he gets really upset with me and he says well I drove all the way over here and I said I understand that dad and I'm sorry that you did that but I mean I'm not going to give you information on mom and I'm not going to give mom information on you that's something you two need to work out not bring me in the middle of this that has nothing to do with me and he says oh so you're not going to give me the information I said no dad I'm sorry You know, not unless she has given me permission to do so. I mean, the best I can tell you is to call her again. Oh, I have. She won't answer. I don't I don't know what to tell you that I'm sorry, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. And it's not fair that you would put me in the middle like this. And he hangs up on me. And, you know, I feel bad, but I know I made the right decision, you know. So anyways, I... I started my day, I get up, (laughs) um, you know, get ready and whatever for the day. And about an hour or so later, he comes in. I didn't even realize he had taken his girlfriend with him, which she also had nothing to do with any of that. So, and they're both extremely upset. His girlfriend is throwing stuff and whatever. And my dad comes in and he says, and... (sighs) Well, no, I won't use the word he said. He says, you have 10 minutes, which is so crazy because six years later, I ended up hearing these same words. You have 10 minutes to pack up your crap. He said the S word, but he says, you have 10 minutes to pack up your crap and get out of my house. And I looked at him and I said, why dad? Because I didn't want to give you the information about mom. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Just get get your stuff and you need to get out. 
and my my brothers, my little brothers, they were at school. And so, again, I'm just like trying to process this all because I'm trying to figure out what I did wrong. And um, so I go upstairs and I pack what I can, which has become such a familiar thing that I've had to do throughout my life where I pack what I can and leave everything behind and have no idea where I'm going don't know why this is happening this has just been a pattern where I got to the point where I thought this has to be some kind of curse or something you know this has to be something that needs to be broken off um you know I thought that I thought maybe these are trials that you know Yahuwah would use later even though at this time I wasn't even a believer yet um I didn't become a believer for six more years But um, I went to my room, I packed what I could, and the only thing I could think to do was to call my mom, which now at this point I'm thankful that she's in the same state I am, because had my mom not been here and this happened, I would have had absolutely nowhere to go. I would have had to somehow get enough money to get a plane ticket and go back to where my mom was, which I think was in Tennessee at the time. So I call my mom and I'm like, you know, I I don't know what to do. Dad just kicked me out. And she said, why? And I explained to her what happened. And she said, all right, me and uh, so-and-so, her one of her friends that I had called. He was a close uh, friend of the family and I consider him my uncle. She said, we'll come and pick you up. And I said, all right, thank you. Because I have nowhere else to go. So... I ended up packing my stuff and I sat on the porch with whatever bag I had. And I remember sitting there just feeling like alone and unloved and just trying to figure out, did I deserve this? Am I really that bad of a person that my family would reject me the way that they have because remember this wasn't the first thing or the only thing that my family has done to me it was one of the first um, major things that happened Um, but I had gone through other stuff before and uh, yeah so I remember sitting there waiting for my mom to come and at one point my brother's I could see them walking down the street. They were coming home from school. They were, I think, 16 and 14 at the time, about my my son's age. And they they come up and they see me sitting on the porch and they're like, what are you doing? And just like, I have to leave. And they're like, well, why do you have to leave? And it makes me emotional because they were kids. They didn't understand. It reminded me of the time that I shared in part one when my brother kicked me out. My mom wouldn't take me in. And my little boy, he was only five. And he was like, where are we going and what happened? 
How do you explain those things to your kids? How do you explain those things to little ones, period? And because they were my brothers and it was their father too, I didn't I didn't want to like say anything bad. Because I didn't want them to think badly of their dad. And I just said, no, I just have to go away for a while. But I'll see you guys again. And I remember my mom picking me up and I just cried and cried and cried. I just couldn't understand it. I really couldn't. My mom, of course, she felt bad because, you know, it had to do with with her and yeah so it's hard brothers and sisters and you know what it took it took a few months um I remember my dad I think like two months later my mom and I we had gotten an apartment together my brother stayed living with my dad and my mom and I we got an apartment in a different yeah I'm okay um, we had gotten an apartment in a different city and my dad had brought my brothers to see to see us and I remember at one point my dad was outside and my mom went out there and I guess he was asking if he could see me and I just couldn't do it I was still so hurt and I guess he felt bad but um I didn't ever see him. My mom and I ended up moving. We left to Puerto Rico. And it was when I when I got to Puerto Rico that I finally ended up coming to talk to him. I don't remember if he ever actually said I'm sorry. I don't remember that. And, and see, and that's that's what my family has always done. They have always swept things under the rug. They don't apologize. They just act like nothing ever happened. And that could be hard too, right? Because when something painful like that happens, you at least, like, you need an apology so that there's some kind of closure. Moving forward and acting like something hasn't happened is not healthy. And uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't heal things. You know, it's, it's just like leaving a wound just wide open and not treating it. It stays open. It doesn't heal. It doesn't close. Um, But that's what my family did. That's how they handled things. And it's funny because me and my son, like, that's all we do is we apologize so much all the time. Like, people are always telling us, you apologize too much, you know? Like, like, I'm sorry. I think it's just because of what I went through. And then, of course, my son does it because, well, I'm his mom and he learned it from me. You know, um, I've been through a lot, brothers and sisters, and I share these things because I have forgiven these people. And not just once, not just twice, but several times over. But you want to know the sad thing is that even though I've forgiven them or in the process, of, I've forgiven them, but I'm still in the process of healing. But even though I've done that, can you believe that to this day, these very same people will still say that they weren't wrong? Um, 
they still don't see. If they do see it, they don't admit it. And we know that that's a form of pride. We also know that it's a narcissistic tendency because narcissists never see that they're wrong. So, sorry guys, I have a runny nose because I start crying. I apologize. I told you I wasn't going to promise I was going to cry. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So, it's harder to have forgiveness for somebody and heal from that type of thing when they still, after all this time, have never even come and said, you know, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. I'm so sorry for how I treated you. You know, I... It's hard, you know, because I tell you what, brothers and sisters, and I know that the only way I was able to do this was by Yahuwah's strength and his love. I remember one time I was talking to one of my brothers, the brother that was an alcoholic, the one that hit me at one point and kicked me out as well. I was talking to him. I think this was last year. He had been drinking and... I don't know how true this is. I think it's pretty true. I don't know if such thing is pretty true. It's either true or it's not. I don't know. But um, he was drunk and we were talking one day and he said, he goes, sis, I don't even know how you're still talking to any of us after what we've all done to you and how we've all treated you. He said, I, I really don't. Like, none of us deserve it. And... I just kind of stood quiet for a moment and then I replied and I said I was able to do it because of what God did for me and the strength that he gave me to overcome it and um, he just you know he, he didn't say anything and so that's why I say too that it's it's a it's a reminder of how Yah is with us and that we too don't deserve what he gives us. Um, But I tell you what, brothers and sisters, I would have never been able to overcome a lot of what I have endured. Um, And again, there are are other things that I haven't shared that I've gone through. You know, and I know that there are so many people out there that are suffering over different things. Either you've lost a loved one or a child or you've been abused, whether physically or sexually or, you know, or you've witnessed something or, you know, I mean, there are so many different things that so many of us are going through or have gone through. So many horrible things. Things that have been taken from you or you've just been mistreated and I mean so many things and listen I'm somebody that I can't even watch the news I I haven't watched the news in years I can't I end up crying every single time I can't handle hearing all of these horrible things that are going on in the world like I said I'm somebody that one my nervous system is so hypersensitive like I get emotional very quickly but I've always been a very, um, gosh, what's the word? Is it em- empathic? Empathic, I think it is, where you just, 
I could walk in a room and pick up everybody's feelings. And it becomes overwhelming. So much so that sometimes I literally have to isolate myself. And like recuperate. Because I'm like worn out. Like I became so overwhelmed um, by everybody's issues and emotions. Um, I just like I take on their problems and it's not really healthy and can become very overwhelming so it's yeah you know but we all face different things and um you know I've I've talked with people that dealt with abuse in the church I have talked to people that have dealt with abuse in their family or their marriage, whether it was physical abuse or uh, mental abuse or emotional abuse or sexual abuse, you know, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard of so many things, you know, people grieving, um, my brother in, uh, 2021, um, his girlfriend passed away from cancer. She was only 28. My nephew became motherless and my brother became an automatic single dad when my nephew was only eight months old. He's two and a half now. You know, we we face a lot of tragedies. We really, really do. Um, And I know sometimes we question why these things happen and why Yahoo allows them to happen and again I've I've talked about this before in past episodes why they happen um, and number one is that you know we live in a fractured world we live in an evil world we live in a world that's corrupt and full of sin and just broken beyond what, what we can even comprehend I was going to say broken beyond repair but that's not true um, because Yahuwah is going to repair it Um, Also, sometimes it's due to our own choices. It's due to our own decisions. We became wayward. We steered away from Yah and, you know, we just kind of did whatever we wanted to. And now we're reaping the, you know, outcome to those choices, the um, consequences. And then other times, Yahuwah allows it to happen to either make us strong. I don't know if you know, go back, um, they were really uplifting episodes, I did uh, an episode on a test of of faith, it's two parts, go back and listen to those if you haven't, those are really encouraging, but, um, you know, tried and tested, you know, and, um, I mean, I've just, I've heard a lot of different things, I have a a couple who we're really good friends with, and, um, you know, he, he wrote a book, he, he shared it on his YouTube ministry and he wrote a book, what he went through with his family growing up. He had a hard life. He had a hard life. Very, very difficult one. And you know what? He grew up, he got married, and he made a vow that he was not going to put his family around that. He became saved. He, be- he went into truth, became Torah observant, and got away from it all. And praise Yahuwah. You know, um, they have no part in it, and he was able to slowly heal from it, be delivered and slowly heal from it, and raising up his family in a completely different way. 
praise Yahweh. And that's what I want to. I don't want my children to ever know of the pain that I went through. I don't want my children to ever, ever feel that their parents rejected them or made them feel unloved or not wanted or like they did something wrong. More importantly, I want my children to know Yahuwah. You know, I want them to have that foundation. You know, we didn't have that. My brothers and I, we didn't have that. My parents just didn't raise us that way. I became a believer when I was an adult in my 20s. I don't want my marriage to be how my parents' marriage was. You know, ending in divorce and, you know, it's bad enough that I kind of already repeated history. But praise Yah, in His mercy, He redeemed me and gave me a second chance, gave me grace. He saved me by calling me out and setting me apart from my family. He called me out like He called Abraham out from His family, from His land, and set Him apart. You know why? Because He saw Abraham's heart. Same thing with David. He saw David's heart. I believe, brothers and sisters, that He sees our hearts. He knows those that truly love him and that will follow him for all of their days. Those are the ones that Yahuwah calls out and sets apart. Those are the the chosen. I'm sure you've heard that term, the chosen. It's also an excellent show. I love that show. Um, Those are his chosen ones. Those are who I believe, aside from the tribes, are the 144,000 that is talked about in the book of Revelation that will see the new Jerusalem and the second coming of our Savior and um, I believe that's why he's allowing these trials for a lot of us that are in this walk it's to get us ready you know how like if you go to battle or go to war you train you know same thing and I've noticed it is, it, it really blew my mind when this was highlighted to me. I've noticed that in every family, Yahuwah has called one person out of those families. Everybody that I have met and talked to that is on a similar path, similar beliefs, faith walk, they're the only ones that was called out of their family. And I was like, wow. Because I used to think like I was the only one. Because I'm the only one out of my family. I am the only one that is uh, walking this faith walk. That is in truth. That is Torah observer. I'm the only one out of my whole entire family. Which is really awesome. Because it's changing things, right? It's breaking away from the old and changing things. So now, you know, like it's awesome to think that my children and my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, however many generations it goes until the second coming of our Messiah, that I was able to change that, praise Yah. You know, that me and my husband, that Yahweh chose for me, we were able to accomplish that. And that's just amazing. You know, I could see why the hem is called amazing grace because it really is amazing grace it's amazing to be able to have grace um 
grace is just incredible. Like, if Yahuwah blesses me with a daughter, the word grace is going to be a name somewhere in there. <laughs> um, because I am so thankful for what Yah has done in my life. Um, and just redeeming me and using all of these trials that I've endured and using them for for good at some point or another, you know. So forgive brothers and sisters. Forgive those that persecute you. There's a part in the book of Matthew I'm sure y'all are familiar with it. It's called the Beatitudes. It's where Yahushua is given a sermon on the mount, I think. And um, he's he's reciting the Beatitudes, right? Um, I've talked about in our fellowship, there's this beautiful husband and wife that have their own music ministry and... Uh, the husband, Lyndon, he composed a song called, um, oh goodness, I forgot the song. It's like one of my favorite songs. Wow. Okay. If the title comes to me, I'll share it. But anyways, he's talking about the Beatitudes. And at one point he says, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Every time I hear those lyrics or those those words, even reading it in the scripture, my I like I get tears in my eyes because I have two thoughts. The first thought is I think of all those that have been persecuted throughout since the beginning because they followed Yah, they kept his word no matter what other people told them. You know, there's accounts where kings and such would would tell them they had to eat pork or they had to do this or that or they kill them and they would say no because they knew it was against Yah's commandments and they would get killed just for not eating a piece of pork Daniel, Daniel was thrown into a lion's den because he wouldn't bow down and worship um, an an idol or a statue of the king you know um Instead, he prayed three times a day to Yahuwah. And when they found out, they threw him in the lion's den. He wasn't killed, though. Yahuwah saved him. Yahuwah spared him. But so many were persecuted for loving Yahuwah, for keeping his commandments. And every time I hear that beatitude, my eyes well up with tears because I think of all the people that have been persecuted and then I think about me and others that are being persecuted now. Maybe not as bad as what these people were. These people were getting killed. They were losing their lives, literally. For us, it's more so being under oppression and being attacked. But I think about that. And I think about Will I really be able to see the kingdom of heaven, you know? I hope so. I hope I've done enough. But it just, it makes me sad. 
that we live in such a terrible world, that we live in such a world that despises its creator, hates its creator, mocks its creator, just all these terrible things. It just... We get persecuted for following the right ways. But you know, it's like Yeshua said, you know, they will hate you because they hated me first, you know, because we are not of this world. So brothers and sisters, we're going to face persecution. We're going to face trials and tribulations. We're going to be treated unfairly and in such a way that it's going to be painful but we are called to endure and we're called to forgive. I think, I can't remember if I said this in part one or part two, where Yeshua was on the cross dying. And he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I try to keep that in mind when I went through the stuff that I did. I remember one day, it was late at night, and I had the Bible open. And I came across a verse. And I knew that Yahuwah was speaking to me, and he was telling me that everything was going to be okay. I can't remember if it was in Psalms. I think it was in Psalms where it says, and I'm paraphrasing, something about that when your mother and father forsake you, that Yahuwah was there with you. And brothers and sisters, I cried so hard because in that moment, I was so just feeling alone and, you know, feeling rejection is a, is a really bad feeling. It's a, it's a challenging feeling. But when you are feeling rejected by not only loved ones, but your own parents, that is really tough. That is really tough. I remember I used to work. This was a really wonderful job that I had. It was such a blessing to be a part of that job for the amount of time I was. It was actually right before, as a matter of fact, right before the job I was talking about, part one and part two. I worked with a, a Christian foster care organization, and some of the things that I saw, what these kids had gone through, having to be removed from their homes or their parents not wanting them or just making really terrible choices to the point that their kids couldn't be with them anymore. <laughs> My heart went out to each one of these kids and it was hard. It was really hard, you know, because when you when you work stuff like that, you have to be, like, tough on the outside, you know, and I just, I'm not somebody that can do that. How I managed to get through it, um, I don't know. But I remember going home a lot of the times just thinking about these kids and my heart just so heavy. And, um, you know, one thing I've learned too is that the people that you see that are more compassionate, that are more loving, that are more giving, those are the people that have been through hell and back. These are the people that were unloved. These were the people that were treated terribly. These were the people that were rejected. These were the people that were turned away when they needed help. Those are the people that you will find will do whatever they can to help you. 
which is another reason why I believe that Yahoo allows these trials to happen. I was saying in part two about the manager that I worked with that I was explaining how Yahoo helped me to see that he was really a good person and really had a beautiful heart. But all the stuff that I guess he probably had endured caused him to create a hard exterior which meant that he had probably harbored bitterness along the way and you know some people just don't handle it well um and it could have been maybe at the time he didn't have a solid relationship with with Yah um to where Yah was able to help him through it or something I don't know um I couldn't really tell you but my point is is that even though he created that hard exterior he was somebody that clearly would um you know, even though he didn't act that way around me, but from my understanding, you know, he was very compassionate towards others who were in need. And that's what I'm saying is that those are the people that they themselves have been through that or something worse or something similar. Those are the ones that will be there with you offer a shoulder to lean on or a shoulder to cry on, listen to your problems, help you in any way they can, give you the shirt off their back, give their last dollar. Those are the people that um, I believe are Yah's children. And I remember one time I was at a dollar store and there was a homeless man. He had the shopping cart with him and it was full of already cooked food. And he had gone inside to buy serving utensils. And my mom and I had come out of that store and, you know, we were talking with him because he came up and he said, can you please watch this stuff real quick? I have to go get something. And we're like, yeah, okay, no problem. So we wait about 10, 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes. He comes back. Oh, thank you so much, you know. And he says, you know, I've got food here that was given to me. And, you know, I wanted to buy some utensils so that I could serve food to those that need it. And, you know, he was referring to others that were homeless, you know, less fortunate. And that just really touched my heart. And I was like, wow, you know, it's so amazing, you know. God bless you. And, um... He goes, hey, do y'all want some? And we were like, oh gosh, you know, thank you so much, but, you know, we're okay, you know, and, you know, we, we wish you all the best, and, you know, God bless, and things like that. And we sat in the car for a few minutes, and this man not only offered to those that were in a similar situation as him, he offered food to every single person that walked by there people that were well off, people that were fine, they had no needs, you know, they were fine, they had what they needed, and he, this man, who had next to nothing, had gotten this food from, I don't know where, and was offering it to everybody that walked by, and then you have people that have a ton of money, they live very cushioned well lives you know they're not missing anything and they can't even be bothered to help somebody on the street 
not even with a couple of dollars. It says a lot, you know. So when I see people like that homeless man and people like that manager that I talked about, even though I didn't have the best experience with him, but knowing what he had done for others and just many others that I've known or seen or heard of, those are Yah's children. You know, those are Yah's children. And more than likely, they're the ones that have been through hell and back and maybe back again. Maybe a few times. Those are the ones that have been through a lot. Those hurt ones that come back, not only do they come back stronger in Yah, but they are the ones that you can count on. They're the ones that are most loving. Even if they still have healing that needs to be done, they are the ones that are most loving. Those are Yah's children. Ones that have been persecuted. So, continue, brothers, strong in faith. Continue um, seeking Him. If you're going through any of these situations that I have talked about in these three episodes, know that I'm praying for you. And if it's not an easy process for you, just ask Yah to help you in the process of forgiveness and extending mercy and grace to others. And I promise that He will help you through it. If He's gotten me through everything He's gotten me through and still is, I know He'll do it for you. Just whatever you do, don't allow bitterness to, um, like, I guess, root itself and grow. That's the worst thing you can have happen. So whatever you do, you know, just don't allow that to happen. Um, Don't let your heart harden, okay? So, brothers, sisters, um, that is it. That is truly, truly it for this podcast ministry. That is it. I've shared everything I felt led to share or was asked to share. That is it. But again, email me if you have any questions. You need to talk. I'm still doing counseling as well. And um, yeah, and thank you to all those that have been supporting um, this trial that we have been enduring. Um, It's been very helpful. May Yahweh bless you abundantly. May he give you double portion. Um, thank you all so much. I will try to do my best to give an update on when it, what happens here in the next month or so, if I'm able. If not, just please email me and I'll let you know that every, you know we're all right, everything's okay. And But more than likely, I won't be coming back on the podcast to announce. So that is it, brothers and sisters. I love you all so much. Praying for you all. I pray that this has been some source of help and encouragement um yeah and thank you for allowing me to share this and again I just pray that there's no judgment being casted or anything like that so um but yeah love you all take very good care and um for those that email me or reach out I will talk to you then other than that y'all take care Thank you so much for being a part of this ministry. May Yahweh bless you abundantly. Shalom.